Back home. Back home. Back home. It's back home. Melting polar ice was a dirty look. Shrinking glaciers, a nudge. Dying forests, they were a tap on the shoulder. We got a finger in our chest from the rising sea level, and a sharp poke in the ribs from recent wildfires in Alaska. Then dying coral reefs and eroding coastlines pushed us hard. The drowned polar bears, that was a shove. Melting permafrost, that was a slap. Rising ocean temperatures and extreme weather, an uppercut. Then record-breaking heat waves hit us right where it hurts. Has it occurred to anyone that maybe the Earth is trying to get our attention? We can still reduce greenhouse gas pollution before it's too late. To find out how, go to fightglobalwarming.com. Brought to you by Environmental Defense, the Robertson. Are you ready for the end of the world? Listen to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. Listen to Your Community Spirit every Friday morning from 10 to 10.30. You are listening to your community spirit. This is Orda Energy Mon. And before I go, I want to read this quote from our Buckminster Fuller. Now there is one outstanding important fact regarding Spaceship Earth. And that is, there is no instruction book. <laughs> so, planet Earth, this is mine. Planet Earth, love it or leave it. Mm-hmm. So, happenings. Well, around the world there has been record heat waves in the last couple weeks. Um, they got 112 degrees in uh, Oregon, 105 in Northern California, 105 in Macedonia. Um, a, a few places have actually done states of emergencies because, well, it's so hot. And we kind of got a little hot weather here. Yeah. I'm installing a solar system this week. And, well, yesterday I commissioned it finally um, about 9.30 in the morning. I had to do a few things. Really got it going about noon. And the homeowner came out and I was showing it. Of course, as soon as I go to show him the system, it gets all cloudy and... It's it's still producing, even though it's completely overcast, but it's only producing about a third of the energy that it's rated. But that's kind of par for the course. Today is Friday, July 20th, the 201st day of 2007. There's 164 days left of the year. Today's highlight in history is... Today, in 1961, Apollo 11 astronauts Neil Armstrong and Edwin Buzz Aldrin became the first men to walk on the moon as they stepped out of their lunar module. 
This day in 1917, the draft lottery in World War I went into operation. This day in 1944, an attempt by a group of German officials to assassinate Adolf Hitler with a bomb failed. This day one year ago, President Bush, addressing the NAACP, said he knew racism existed in America and that many black voters distrusted his Republican Party. Bush promised to improve the GOP's rocky relationships with blacks, and the Senate voted 98-0 to to renew the landmark 1965 A Voting Rights Act for another quarter of a century. And now, our cheesy story of the week. Truck carrying cheese goes up in flame on the interstate. Sacramento, California. A tractor-trailer truck hauling blocks of cheese erupted in flames Thursday, turning much of its cargo into freeway fondue. That'd been cool, just pull off to the side of the road and start eating some cheese off the interstate. Yeah. No one was hurt, but boxes containing hundreds of pounds of provolone, cheddar, American and other cheeses clogged the burned truck and littered the side of Interstate 80 north of downtown Sacramento. It went up pretty quick, said truck driver Frank Barker, who pulled over at 3.45 a.m. when he saw smoke coming out from under his truck. So that's the cheesy story of the week. Truck carrying cheese goes up in flame on the interstate. Happenings. Um, this is kind of a nice time of the year when not tons of stuff are happening. Next week there is the Sunset Concert, but otherwise it's pretty much a time to go swimming, to hike in the woods, and to actually try to relax. Um, That doesn't happen to me too much because summer is my busiest season installing solar. Um, If I finish the system tomorrow, I was going to do it today, but I decided to take a day off because it was so hot the last couple days. If I finish the system tomorrow, let's see, in 10 days I would have put in three systems. Yep, because right now i got two and a half systems in. (laughs) So happenings. Dear friends, Our England Peace Garden is a garden, and such gardens are not made by singing, Oh, how wonderful, and sitting in the shade. While better men than we go out and start their working lives by by grubbing weeds from garden paths with broken dinner knives. That was Rudyard Kipling. The reason I read that is because the Labyrinth Peace Garden, which is located near the Interface Center in Carbondale, Illinois, is in need of weeding and mulch replenishing. There, there is a uh, workday on Saturday, July 21st, beginning at 8.30 a.m. Please come by if you can and bring your own tools, gloves, knee pads, etc. They will provide the mulch and treats. And that's the Labyrinth Peace Garden Committee sent that email out. Um, Again, the Labyrinth Peace Garden, if you haven't had a chance to go walk the Labyrinth, it is at, let's see, 913 South Illinois Avenue. And I actually got to a couple weekends ago, walked the Labyrinth on top of Knob Hill in San Francisco, and it really doesn't have anything on our garden. Now, theirs is in the middle of a bustling city, so of course it is nice, but ours has a waterfall, it has a grassy knoll, I like yeah, grassy knoll, and picnic tables and shrubs and trees and just a little 
um, oasis of peace in the middle of Carbondale. So... Just when you thought it was safe-ish, rush hour steam pipe explosion rattles Manhattan. An 83-year-old underground steam pipe, steam pipe exploded near New York City's Grand Central Terminal during rush hour traffic, causing one death, more than 40 injuries, and a lot of rattled nerves. After the initial explosion, a plume as high as the Chrysler building that onlookers compared to a volcano, the Yellowstone Geyser and the World Trade Center attack, fears arose about possible asbestos contamination. Crews from local utility Con Edison and the city's Department of Environmental Protection spent the night testing air and debris samples for traces of the carcinogen, which was often used in construction before the risks were fully known. While they found no asbestos in the air, they did find it in muddy debris at the site and advised those who had been in the area to shower and bag their clothes for cleaning or disposal. An official also warned area residents to put air conditioners on recycle to avoid the chance of drawing asbestos into their area, into their homes. Man, New York City cannot get a break. Straight to the source, the New York Times, Detroit Free Press, Associated Press, the 19th of July, 2007. Use the task force, Dick. Members of Mysterious Energy Task Force are finally revealed. You may want to sit down for this. The Bush administration's national energy policy was heavily influenced by big industry. Shocking, shocking. Yeah, we know. In 2001, a task force headed by the Vice President Dick Cheney met with various entities to discuss energy policy. Since then, the administration has battled to keep from saying who was involved. Finally, the Washington Post has acquired the names of some 300 interest groups and individuals who gave input, including electric utilities, natural resource trade groups, and about 20 oil and gas companies. Green groups were lumped together into a single meeting after the initial draft was nearly done. It remains unclear why the business fought to keep the list on the down low. After all, their priorities were, are hardly a secret. In other Cheney news, spurred by an early piece in the Post, House Democrats plan to hold a hearing at the end of the July to look into the Veep's role in policy moves that led to the massive die-off of Kalamath River Salmon in 2002. Straight to the source, the Washington Post, the 18th of July, and the Register Guard Associated Press, the 17th of July, 2007. Did you hear about the big earthquake that in Japan whose fault is it anyway carmakers nuclear plant halt operations after Japanese quake after shocks from Monday's uh, earthquake in Japan continue to be felt and not the kind that shake the ground yesterday officials ordered the nuclear plant that was damaged in the quake to shut down indefinitely while operators assess and fix some 53 problems discovered over the course of the last few days they also acknowledged that the facility run by Tokyo um, Electric Power Company sits above an active fault line, an inconvenient truth the utility and the government had long denied. The shutdown could cause power shortages in Tokyo this summer. Some fear plant operators who have been publicly reprimanded for their response to the incident are requesting support 
from other utilities and asking consumers to redouble their energy saving efforts. The quake also hit a key auto parts supplier in the region, leading Toyota, Nissan, Honda, Mitsubishi, and Subaru to temporarily su- suspend production. Wow. Forced conservation and fewer cars? Uh, Mother Nature <laughs> has a sixth sense of humor. Straight to the source, BBC News, Los Angeles Times, Washington Post, Associated Press, the 19th of July, 2007. Littering in outer space. Taking out the trash at home is one thing, but taking out the trash in space? So, taking out the trash, but have you ever taken out the trash in space? Disposing of the millions of pieces of trash floating in space, 13,000 of which measure more than 30 feet long each, is not only just a question of sanitation, it can also be a question of survival. Any one of those pieces, moving at speeds of up to several thousand miles an hour, could pierce a hole in a space shuttle or the International Space Station. And while most space trash does eventually burn up as it enters Earth's atmosphere or fall harmlessly into an ocean or a parcel of land upon successful re-entry, the odds still make this a a significant concern. Under normal circumstances, astronauts get rid of their trash by waiting for a Russian progress supply ship to take it away or by returning it to Earth on a shuttle flight. Sounds easy enough? But how to dispose of a hunking 13,000, excuse me, 1,360-pound coolant storage unit. The EAS, Early Ammonia Servicing Unit, located on the outside of the space station, is about to be replaced by a newer, more powerful unit, but the astronauts haven't yet figured out a way to conveniently dispose of it. Straight to the source, ABC News, Littering in Outer Space. Pretty please with Como on top. New York State sues ExxonMobil over oil spill foot dragging. ExxonMobil is the still the one, yeah, they're still the one who haven't paid for the 1989 ExxonMobil oil spill. Wow. A shot has been fired in the quiet oil spill battle in Brooklyn, New York's Greenpoint neighborhood. The state has sued ExxonMobil to force the cleanup of the estimated 8 million gallons of oil and petroleum byproducts still underground after a 1950 explosion. The spill, which is larger than the Exxon Valdez debacle, was found in, in 1978. In 1990, the state politely asked ExxonMobil to please take care of the 17 million remaining gallons. Since then, the company has reportedly cleaned up about 9.3 million gallons, but the New York City wants the rest of it gone soon, and it's asking ExxonMobil, as well as BP, Chevron, Utility 
K-SPAN and mining company Phelps Dodge to treat contaminated soil and groundwater and restore nearby Newtown Creek. The suit follows two others filed since 2004 by citizens and the advocacy group Riverkeeper. Quote, this suit sends the message that even the largest corporations in the world cannot escape the consequences of their misdeeds, says State Attorney General Andrew Como. Well, they might not be able to escape the consequences of their deeds, but they have, really, for 57 years or so. Well, only for 57 years or so. Straight to the source, the New York Times, 18th of July, 2007. In other news, can't they just use the ocean? Schwarzenegger announces a $5.9 billion plan to battle drought. California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger has announced a $5.9 billion plan to prepare for a state's almost certain continued drought and population boom. Taking the need to douse big agriculture as a given, Schwarzenegger called for construction of new reservoirs and dams, but true to his Green Inator reputation, he also gave a nod to river restoration and conservation. California water policy is famously controversial with farmers, greens, and local water districts often venomously disagreeing. The San, the San Joaquin Delta, source of water for two-thirds of Californians and home to endangered salmon and smelt, is a particular hot spot. Schwarzenegger has recently hinted at building um, perpendicular canal to carry water around the delta, an idea that has come up in 1982 and was trounced by Greens who feared diverted water would suck the delta dry. The leader of the state senate has offered a, a competing water plan. Once a per final proposal is hammered out, voters would have their say as early as February. Straight to the source, Los Angeles Times, San Francisco Chronicle, Associated Press, the 16th and 17th of July. Jam plan is toast. The New York City mayor's traffic-reducing proposal shot down, at least for now. New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg's congestion fee proposal, reportedly down to the wire on Monday, is now, well, just down, period. The plan would have charged a fee for Manhattan-bound vehicles during peak hours, but the state Senate adjourned without voting on the measure after Democrats made it clear they would vote as a block against it arguably just as much out of distaste for Bloomberg as opposition to the fee. Isn't politics wonderful? Is New York City congestion pricing dead? Said one senator supportive of the plan, quote, It doesn't sound like it's alive, that's for sure. The state may create a commission to study the issue and suggest other options, which some hope will keep New York City qualified for the $500 million in federal funding being offered to cities that implement a congestion fee pilot program. But seeing as there will be no congestion fee pilot program, chances of getting the moolah really do seem thin. And if the city doesn't get the funding, the commission will disband in October. Ah, the sweet smell of status quo. 
straight to the source, the New York Times, Newsday, the 17th of July, 2007. Now, I like to throw in a tip every once in a while, a tip as in, here's something interesting, here's something you can do. Today's tip. Vinegar is a pretty versatile subject. Basically, just acetic acid, it can be used to replace many commercial cleaning products, which can be harmful to the environment. I recently read an article which lists 62 uses for vinegar, from cleaning to health care. Whilst you can't make use of all 62, you could probably find something that you could find useful. There have also been some good comments left all over the internet. Um, my favorite probably is Wikipedia. They have a pretty good entry on vinegar. Of course, you need to buy the right sort. Rubbing balsamic vinegar onto your white carpet isn't going to make that stain any better. So, do a search online for vinegar, find a few um, uses for it. Um, one of them is slightly watered down, well, like 50% water, 50% vinegar. It's a lot of old-timers say it's a way to live really long if you take a shot of that every day. I know it makes your whole body shudder, so it's almost like um, aerobic exercise. There you go. And another tidbit, are most sunscreens really that helpful? This is from Science and Technology. Um, this is my editorial of the week. Who hasn't heard this familiar refrain? Be sure to put on a thick layer of sunscreen before you go out into the sun. Whether you've heard it from your parents, your doctor, or even that so-called health expert on TV, the need to wear sunscreen to protect your skin is a mantra that has been firmly ingrained into our heads since early childhood. While that may be true in principle, the problem is, is that too many sunscreen manufacturers haven't been holding up their part of the bargain by selling products that actually protect you. Instead, a rash of recent studies have shown that labels on several popular brands not only are misleading and confusing, but in some cases, completely false. After testing 786 name brand sunscreen to gauge their stated UVA protection, potential health hazards, and stability in sunlight, the Environmental Working Group determined that only 17, only 17%, only 17% of them provide good protection and minimal risk. In addition, the study revealed that 50% of the testing products made claims that could be considered misleading under the FDA's draft sunscreen safety standards. Yes, that's right. The FDA still does not have standards that say that sunscreen has to say what it says it does. So they're drafting safety standards. One major problem may be the fact that most products, uh, most sunscreens actually don't protect against UV rays, which have been linked to premature aging and skin cancer, despite their claims of doing so. And while the FDA does regulate the sunscreen industry, it's still using archaic standards that haven't been updated since their implementation in 1978. The result? 
Though our knowledge about skin cancer and the harmful nature of UVA rays has jumped by leaps and bounds over the last decades, the standards for SPF haven't. Unfortunately, many people don't realize that SPF is for UVB only. Not the UVA rays, but UVB rays. You simply can't apply it to both. It would distort the numbers because UVB is thousands of times more stronger than UVA. Now that is a quote from Dr. Norman Pierce, a dermatologist. A recent poll showed that 69% of Americans strongly believed that government standards required SPF protection against UVA rays. Fortunately, though somewhat belatedly, the FDA is finally set to reveal updated guidelines of, on how it plans to assess a sunscreen's level of UVA protection. Not a moment too soon, says Dr. Jeffrey Bortz, a dermatologist. All, quote, all this is very, is very confusing. It's time for the FDA to step in and clarify this better for the summer. Now, the, this whole editorial does not mean you shouldn't wear sunscreen. It just means that it doesn't protect against UVA rays, which are the main thing that causes, over a long period of time, premature aging and skin cancer. So you still need it against UVB rays, which very much damage the skin, but it's damaged the skin more in the short term because they're a lot stronger. So... Replacing oil with, uh, well, more oil. The National Petroleum Council pictures life after conventional crude. There's a new voice in the crowd shrieking about waning oil supplies. The National Petroleum Council. Okay, well, they're not actually shrieking. But in a draft report released this week, the group, headed by former Exxon CEO Lee Raymond, confirms it, confirms that conventional crude oil supplies won't keep up with global demand in the next quarter century, which is paramount to shrieking for an industry that has long maintained the opposite. The report, called Facing the Hard Truths About Energy, will be presented to U.S. Energy Secretary Samuel Bodeman later this week. It recommends an array of future approaches, such as improving fuel vehicle economy. Wait a second. The oil company, the, the National Petroleum Council, is going to say improve vehicle fuel economy, quote, at the maximum rate possible, pushing biofuels, oil shell, and uh, tar sands, opening off-limit areas to environmentally sensitive drilling, oh, there's a good one, and curbing carbon dioxide. The work of the 175-member council will, predicts Daniel Jurgen, a council member and chair of Cambridge Energy Resource Associates, quote, shift the framework of the policy debate in the United States, straight to the source, the Mercury News Associated Press, and the Houston Chronicle, the 16th of July, 2007. So... Final article, quick one. Leo, I've got a feeling we're not in Hollywood anymore. DiCaprio-produced series will rebuild tornado-ravaged town. 
It's official. Nine months after the rumors began, Leonardo DiCaprio has confirmed that he and a partner will give birth to a reality series on green building. DiCaprio will executive produce the 13-part series Echo Town on the Discovery Channel's Planet Green Arm launching in 2008. The original notion was to upgrade Anywhere USA for a show called Etopia, but the new series will focus on rebuilding a Kansas town that was wiped out by a tornado in May. The tornado caused 10 deaths, displaced almost all of the city's roughly 1,500 residents, and leveled homes, a hospital, and other buildings. We're not saying Leo and his peeps are crass, cold-hearted vultures, but how excited do you think they were when Mother Nature wiped out a town called, wait for it, wait for it, Greensburg. Quote, this is not about a TV show and about a cable channel that reaches 50 million homes, says Discovery Communications CEO David Zaslav. We're the number one nonfiction media company in the world, and we're also out to make a difference. Straight to the source, CBC News, Washington Post, E! Online, the 13th and the 15th of July, 2007. This has been another exciting and informative half hour of your community spirit. See you next week. Don't forget, it's hot. That means lakes, forests, they're attractive.